0: Mike Diedrich. I'm a uh, vice president of chapter 92 here in Seattle Veterans for Peace and we're recording a show for the KODX uh, radio program Washington or Veterans for Peace uh, radio mm-hmm. show. Uh, today the, uh, we have three guests to talk about the being, bring, bringing deported veterans home. I'd like to read a statement of purpose for Veterans for Peace. We having dutifully served our nation do hereby affirm our greater responsibility to serve the cause of world peace. To this end, we will work with others towards increasing public awareness of the costs of war, to restrain our government from intervening intervening overtly and covertly in the internal affairs of other nations, to end the arms race and to reduce and eventually eliminate nuclear weapons, and appropriate for this program to seek justice for veterans and victims of war to abolish war as an instrument of national policy. To achieve these goals, members of Veterans for Peace pledge to use nonviolent means and to maintain an organization that is both democratic and open with the understanding that all members are trusted to act in the lo- best interest of the group for the larger interest, larger purpose of global peace. We urge all people who share this vision to join us.
1: All right, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in this, this week or this month, because this is a monthly show. Um, so our radio show airs and streams every fourth Wednesday of the month from 6 to 7 p.m. on KODX 96.9. And and that's a, a low generation or low power radio station. So you might not be able to actually get it, um, but you can hear it on KODXseattle.org. And you can find our old um episodes of our show at the same uh, website, kodxseattle.org slash Seattle VFP. So I really want to thank our two guests today. Um, This is a really important issue. We have Robert Vivar. Uh, He'll tell you a little bit about himself, but I've known Robert for several years now. Um, And Lisbeth De La Cruz Santana, who I basically, I've never met in person, Um, But I met her a few weeks ago, I guess, maybe two weeks, maybe three at the most. Um, And we're gonna talk today, as Mike said, about bringing deported veterans home, but we're gonna talk specifically about a campaign called Leave No One Behind. And we also have Kim Hunter, who is a member of the local board, um, a pretty long time, I believe, a member of Veterans for Peace, a veteran. And um, he is gonna help us organize um, with this campaign here in Seattle, so why don't we have Robert go ahead and, and um, start out and tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, then we'll have Elizabeth, and then we'll get into a conversation um, about uh, you know the the campaign and the issue of deported veterans. Great,
2: excellent. Thank you very much, Michael and uh, Mike. Uh, it's really a pleasure to to be here on the show with. Uh, with you folks, with uh, fellow Veterans for Peace uh, members. Uh, My name is Robert I'm co-director of uh, Unified U.S. Deported Veterans Resource Center, an organization out in Tijuana, Mexico, whose uh, mission is uh, twofold, uh, to intercept veterans uh, that are being deported and assist them in integrating into the community as uh, productive members of our community by uh, providing them access Uh, to filing of their rightly uh, uh, earned benefits, uh, their VA benefits, but also uh, for seeking uh, legal avenues to be repatriated uh, back home to the U.S. where they belong. Uh, We are also an official chapter of Veterans for Peace and vice president of Sergeant Barrios Memorial Chapter 182 here in Tijuana, Mexico. And even though I'm not a veteran, uh, it is uh, an issue that is very close to me. Uh, because I do come from um, extensive uh, military family. I currently have a son who's serving uh, active duty with the California Air National Guard. He's a uh, Air Force veteran, spent eight eight years regular Air Force and now has about 12 years with the Air National Guard active duty. Uh, Grandson is also serving currently in the uh, U.S. Marine Corps. Older brother is a Vietnam combat veteran Another older brother who's passed away was Vietnam era veteran. Uh, my partner's son is a two tour Iraqi combat veteran. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, you all are, are military men, and you know that uh, whether you're military or your family, uh, we are one family, and uh, we keep an eye on each other, and we we try to take care of each other. Uh, that's why I am I am involved with uh, the veteran issue, and why it's so dear to me. When uh, my older brother came home from uh, from the Vietnam War, um, we shared a room. And at nighttime, I I could hear the struggle that he was going through, you know, with the uh, after effects of the war. And that's something that, you know, uh, uh, that just, you know, uh, was very, very clearly drawn to me at an early stage. Uh, some of the issues that our uh, men and women go through coming back from uh, military service especially you know they were combat veterans. Um, I've been uh, deported eight years ago uh, after living in the U.S. legally since the age of uh, six and uh, in those eight years for uh, the last seven and a half I've been uh, working uh, in the issue of deported veterans and through that time span I've you know met quite a few deported veterans. I uh, have You know, firsthand seeing the struggle that they endure adapting um, to military, to life, civilian life after military, but also the struggles that they endure with PTSD, TBI, and then uh, another form of PTSD, which is being deported, uh, you know, isolated from their family, from their loved ones, another uh, very, very drastic form of PTSD for them as well.
1: Thank you, Robert. Um, Elizabeth.
3: Yeah, thank you, Mike um, and Michael, for you know having us and providing the space to talk about the Leave No One Behind mural project and the initiatives that we are supporting through this art effort, and just you know bridging stories to political action, and you know through art, and I think it's really important. Um, just a little bit about, about my background. I am a PhD candidate at UC Davis, and I do focus on the deportation of child arrivals. And as part of the the research project, Humanizing Deportation, I've gotten to know about the, the issue and just, you know, the injustices that veterans have faced in regards to being deportable from the country that they served. And not just, you know, um, the effects of deportation, but also what it means to be a childhood arrival and also serving in the military. So this combination of um, the US um, really um, targeting populations that are non-citizens. And um, I think it's really important that we're able to capture the stories through um, not just research, but also political and activists um, organizations that really try to focus and bridge um, the humanities and um, crisis that the U.S. is currently facing in regards to immigration and to also uplift the stories of the veterans that, you know, continue to speak and, you know, they just want to be listened for real change to happen.
1: Great. Thank you to both of you. And Kim, why don't you tell us about yourself um, at this point as well?
4: Yes, my name is uh, Kim Hunter. I'm a veteran of the United States Navy, Vietnam War, served served two tours over there. And uh, when I got out of the Navy, I came to Seattle and I've lived in this area ever since. Uh, I was a career firefighter, um, part-time attorney, and uh, now I'm supposedly retired, but I'm actually very active in a number of uh, nonprofit organizations. And uh, the most important one to me is uh, Especially right now, with what's going on, as a Veterans for Peace, I'm a lifetime member. Uh, I um, I'm interested in uh, this project because, well, for one thing, it's part of our uh, national. Um, um, we we have a national uh, policy with the Veterans for Peace to uh, do something to help the uh, the situation with the deported veterans, which we feel have been uh, uh, deported unfairly. So, and when I heard about this mural project uh, that and uh, all the the opportunities that are happening right now, I I see the confluence of a lot of things coming together that we might be able to really make a difference right now. Um, uh, When I started looking at uh, the um, situation, I was really uh, struck by how unfair the detailed stories of some of the people, uh, uh, the stories that I heard, of how arbitrary the decision was to uh, deport these veterans um, how there is very little or no opportunity to come home. Uh, there is a great opportunity now to change this. And uh, uh, so we have some great initiatives coming up, and I certainly want to be a part of that to see what can be done to bring these veterans home.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. So just to set this up a little bit, um, so right now, and, and, and probably listeners and everyone here uh, saw where legislation is being put forward in Congress right now around immigration, uh, broad immigration reform. And we knew that was gonna happen because the Biden administration said they were gonna put forth some immigration reform. And and just politically, we understood that was gonna be the case. Um, But over over the years and more recently, we haven't really heard that much about veterans specifically. Um, Senator Tammy Duckworth did send a letter to the president, calling for him to do an executive order and executive actions to bring deported veterans home um, immediately. And then, what we're calling for, of course, is 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 that to um, do an executive order. And, and Robert and and Elizabeth can tell us more about that. But we're also calling for specific legislation to deal with deported veterans, um, and we'll talk about that as well. Now, the, one of the reasons this is very important right at this moment is because. Uh, this legislation, something more than likely is going to pass. It certainly is being introduced. And if we do not raise the visibility of deported veterans, um, they might get left out. Now, be clear, whatever legislation passes will help a group of deported vets because deported vets, as we'll talk about more, are part of the the larger immigrant community. So anything that helps them will help deported vets. However, there are some things that we need specific legislation to get all of our deported veterans home. So I guess I'll just open up the floor to uh, Robert and Lisbeth to, you know, tell us about the campaign. And, and why don't we actually why don't I start with Lisbeth? Because I, I feel like you're kind of like the visionary of the campaign. And at least when I first heard about it, it was via you, well, via Robert, but you. So why don't we start out with you and then Robert, you know, you back up with whatever else needs to be said about it.
3: Yeah, thank you. And, you know, this effort is a coalition effort, but like you mentioned, you know, we all come from like different backgrounds and I feel like Robert's like our, you know, policy expert and Jenny and I always talk about, you know, like when we have questions, it's like, okay, can you remind us what the new way forward was? You know, at the beginning when we first heard um, about it being reintroduced. Um, And, you know, I do come from a background of, um, art and murals, and we actually uh, worked together, Robert and I and other community members in Tijuana, to create the Playa de Tijuana mural project, which is located at the border between San Diego and Playas de Tijuana, and it's the same idea that we're seeing now with this new project, um, documenting the stories of immigrants that are affected by deportation. We also included the story of Andy de Leon, which is from Madera, and also a deported veteran in Tijuana, and You know, the idea to continue the mural was always there. But unfortunately, the pandemic hit and um, being, you know, in the field and working together was just not a possibility anymore. Um, So I always had that urge to continue doing something with community. And I remember I messaged Jenny, which she works really closely with um, deported veterans and her brother is also a deported veteran. And, you know, I we scheduled a meeting and I told her, hey, like, I have some funds for my fellowship that I'm currently on. I'm going to propose a project, but I want to support whatever it is that it's already happening or that we can all work together to make something happen. And she said, yes. You know, so we um, touched faces on a Friday. And Robert sent me a message over Facebook on a Sunday and I was like, perfect, like the timing is right. And I feel like we all read each other's mind that we needed to do something together. And like I mentioned, I do come from a background of like art and the murals um, that I, you know, use as a way for the public to know what, what has been happening in a very digestible way, because I feel like art invite us to really understand stories and to see, um, you know, through a different lens, what it means to be an immigrant in the US and in the case of the deported veterans, what it means to, you know, serve the country, but then still face deportation after, you know, serving. And which I think is like the biggest, you know, way that you can show the country that, you know, that you are willing to sacrifice your life for, right? And so anyway, so the idea here is to, you know the same thing with the Plaza Tijuana Mural project. Present stories of lift the stories and center them uh, when talking about policy or when we're talking about what an immigration reform should look like. We need to consider the stories of those that have already been affected by our immigration laws, um, and specifically those who were probably deported um, for a crime that is no longer a crime in the U.S. Right, and I think that's really important to highlight. So. What we try to do with this new mural project is that we want to commission, and we've done so already, um, a deported artist who lives in Tijuana. And he has really created a vision of, you know, from his position of what the stories um, and the persons who are part of the mural look like. Um, so he created um, two murals for now. We're working on the third one, um, thanks to the help of Maggie from ODA, Otros Dreamers and Dreamers Acción. And it's just, you know, a community effort to make sure that we hit our goal and to make noise because I feel like even with this new immigration reform bill that was introduced this week by the Biden administration, the communities that we are highlighting in the mural, not all of them are represented. And yes, like you know, we're thankful that um, a population within this, um, you know, larger scheme of you know community. Is you know, we'll get some type of relief, but not everyone. And the unfortunate case here is that the people who were deported before, for example, DACA was implemented, or were deported for things that, like I mentioned, are no longer crimes, they don't really stand a chance if they don't fall within the criteria that this new, you know, proposal is pushing for. So, what we want to do with the mural is to create consciousness and, you know, keep our politicians and representatives accountable. And, you know, if Biden and Harris promised like Cesar Nunez right on the campaign trail that they were going to support the veterans, then, okay, you know, we have the Netflix series documenting them. There's photos, there's interviews on that. So it's, you know, the people have the power here at the end of the day. So that's what we're trying to create consciousness through art and, you know, combine it with um, policy that's already um, available and just a community effort. So this is a binational effort with um, people from like different areas, there's scholars involved, there's community organizers and specifically, you know, like the participants themselves who are telling their story. So it's just a combination. And we feel like this is the, the time that we've been waiting for to work together and really, organize for something you know greater than what we might actually be envisioning at the beginning. But, um, like I said, you know, it's just having this art, you know, transform the the concept of who we will be protecting from deportation and who will be allowed to return to the U.S. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing: opening venues for people to to return. Um, that's just like an overall
2: idea.
1: Okay, thank you, Robert you um, want
2: to add? Sure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Liz. Um, Liz and I met uh, probably about uh, four years ago, uh, and we were working on another project that uh, we were very passionate about. And for one reason or another, just never got off the ground. And we did stay in touch up until uh, recently with the um, uh, Mural Project that we came together and we worked on and, and we saw the success that uh, that the Mural Project uh, received. Um, so I stayed very, very deeply in, in my mind. Uh, you know, go back a little bit of time uh, toward when I first met Michael, um, of course, you know, being part of uh, Veterans for Peace, uh, we had been working on, uh, on a project. Uh, since, you know, seven years ago, more or less, half have seven years ago on uh, bringing Departed Veterans back when a uh, 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 a uh, program from uh, Veterans for Peace begun, which is the Departed Veteran Advocacy Project. And that project was designated to uh, look entirely onto actions that would bring our Departed Veterans home. Right about that time, uh, we started to see a lot of legislation introduced. And one of the things that that really, uh, uh, I don't want to say upset us, but we were not very comfortable with it, is that every piece of legislation, uh, you know, they're good. No, 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 buts about it. You know, if a few departed veterans can come home under a piece of legislation, that's great. To us, it was an injustice that was going to be done to the rest of the uh, veterans that were not going to be able to come home. And uh, therefore, um, through uh, the Deported Veterans Advocacy Project with uh, Michael and John Rubin and George Johnson and Maurice Martin-Willie Haggard and an attorney named uh, Heather Boxeth uh, came up with a solution, which was uh, an amendment to 8USC code 1101 alpha 22. This particular uh, code talks about what constitutes the loyalty and allegiance of a person to be considered a national, if not a citizen of the United States. Therefore, Veterans for Peace established the resolution uh, to um, lobby to have this uh, this piece of uh, legislation uh, or to amend this piece of legislation to clearly state that when a soldier in the military took the oath of enlistment, at that point they proved their loyalty and allegiance to the constitution and therefore should be afforded nationality, if not citizenship, retroactive to them taking the oath of enlistment. Now, you know, some people may think that this may be a little bit far-fetched and so forth. Not necessarily, you know, uh, at the uh, First World War, Congress has always considered a soldier's uh, uh, service during combat time for consideration of nationality or citizenship. Um, AUSC Code 1440 uh, states expedited citizenship for those serving in the military during a period of uh, war. Uh, President Bush signed an executive order also um affording uh, citizenship to those serving uh, post 9-11. So there is historical on on this particular situation. Uh, Just recently, the ACLU won a case uh, in Sama versus the Department of Defense, uh, where it establishes to revert to policy that uh, existed uh, here before Trump uh, uh, overturned it. Uh, so that a, uh, a policy can be established. So when a non-citizen veteran enters the military, has the opportunity to complete his citizenship process by the time he finishes his basic training. So basically the non-citizen soldier uh, finishes basic training and at that time has completed everything necessary for him to also become a U.S. citizen. So it's not something that that far fetched. Um, This is something that um, we have been working on for quite a while, but we've never had the opportunity to really bring it out uh, onto the light and get the support that we need. Uh, Recently, we had been working with Michael on uh, on a project uh, looking for legislation or trying to see how we could bring this uh, into the a little bit clearer. one of the things that, uh, that really stood up was that, again, legislation was being introduced uh, and it was great, but it was not doing the job of addressing the issue of deported veterans and stopping the deportation of, of events. Um, when uh, we started to look at this project again, uh, right about that time, um, Liz had a presentation where I was invited to And after that presentation, uh, something clicked. It said, wait a minute, this may be the opportunity to create the the noise and awareness that we need centered around the issue of deported veterans and their consideration of nationals, if not U.S. citizens, due to their military service. And we uh, got together with Liz, And this, of course, was working with Jenny also. They both loved the idea. And we started working on putting this mural project together. And and the reason we we love it so much is because we found a piece of legislation that was introduced by Congressman uh, Chuy Garcia out of Illinois, which is basically an immigration reform bill. But it is also a uh, crime reform bill, which uh, calls for decriminalization of those entering the United States undocumented, which is one of the big problems uh, regarding uh, deportations. And a lot of our deported veterans uh, uh, have faced reentry uh, re-entry problem because they returned undocumented after deported. And what we like about this piece of legislation is that it calls for uh, uh, increasing the bar from one to five years for deportable crimes, which that automatically, would allow us to uh, to bring a lot of our deportive veterans home, but what we really got excited about was that uh, Congressman Garcia was open uh, to our thoughts of perhaps in his uh, piece of legislation, the New Way Forward Act, uh, adding uh, wording to it to 8 USC Code 1101 Alpha 22. Uh, that was something that really drew attention to us. And now uh, where I believe that we can gain a tremendous is by the installation of the mural in different parts around the country. Because that is not, the idea is not only to install a mural, but to create rallies around the mural and the immigration issue in each one of those cities. And, and at the same time, get people to contact their Congress people, their senators and get behind this, uh, this project and, uh, and this amendment that we want.
0: Okay, thank you. I, I think Mike, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that I'll probably clear it up in some of the materials that we look because I haven't, I haven't looked at all the materials. But can you tell me the process by which a apparently a non-citizen enlists in the military serves in the military gets out and then gets deported how how, what is that process
2: sure absolutely uh number one you know and and there's a myth that you know how did undocumented uh, persons enter the military a myth uh in order to enter the military you had to be a legal permanent resident or have a work pit uh, work permit under daca which during trump years that was uh, uh dissolved also there was a lot of problems with uh DACA recipients entering the military because of Mr. Trump. Um, you're a legal permanent resident. Uh, you serve. You serve uh, in combat areas like many of uh, our uh, deported veterans have. Uh, many of our deported veterans even apply for citizenship. And as you all know, you know you get moved from one base to another. Your mail doesn't follow you, and all of a sudden you miss your interview, and all of a sudden you're you know uh, you're out of uh, out of your citizenship process. Um, when they return from uh, their military service, uh, you know, we're non-citizen veterans are no exception, they're like any other veteran, uh, you have trouble integrating back into civilian life. Right. Um, you know, the, and especially if you're a combat veteran, you know, coming back from, from combat, uh, from, you know, your military service, it makes it very difficult. Uh, you know, U.S. veterans, you know it very well. Uh, when you enter the military, what are you taught? You're taught to, uh, to be aggressive. You're taught to be violent. You're taught to kill. And many of you, you know, uh, are asked to go to another country and kill. And maybe and many do have to kill. And many have to see their, their buddy, uh, you know, that helped them out through basic training, killed right before their eyes. This is a tremendous amount of trauma that can be created on a person. And to expect that kid that enlisted at 17, that wholesome kid to come back from combat and integrate into their community, just like when he left at 17, 18 years old and not have any trouble integrating into the community as a civilian is very far-fetched. And we know they have trouble integrating They resort to uh, self-medicating Another very uh, uh, strong issue is uh, domestic violence. Um, you're taught to be violent, you're taught to be aggressive. you're never given any uh, 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 decompression period when you leave the military to be able to uh, deal with these issues when you return to civilian life and instead of you know as a non-citizen veteran uh, being afforded treatment, being afforded uh, you know uh, veteran uh, court, uh, you're put into uh, deportation proceedings to be removed from the country that you swore to defend. The only country that you are, that you are loyal to, that you have allegiance to. You know, when, when, uh, when you're a, um, a regular veteran, you get out of the military, you commit a crime, you do your time, you go home to your family. A non-citizen veteran, you do your time, you pay your fine. But then again you are made to play for that same mistake again by being put into removal proceedings and having your legal residence revoked. And if that was not enough, you get pay, you pay for that crime three times. Now, not only do you have your legal residence revoked, you get deported, exiled to a country that maybe you were born in, but you don't even remember because you were taken to the US as a very young child. You're a childhood arrival. So actually, you know, you are being uh, made to pay for three times for that crime. Yep. Robert,
1: let me just emphasize something real quick uh, about that. that and, and you just said, and I want to say it again to people, that um, when a non-citizen veteran commits a crime, they do pay for that crime. They go to jail or whatever it would be, just like I would, just like me. So then after that's over, that's when they get get deported. And I know when I was growing up as a kid, I was told that if you do a crime, you pay the time and then you can start over again. You get a second chance. But in this situation, you don't get a second chance. And I just want to point out to people um, that we just had an attempt at an insurrection in Washington, D.C., where people broke into the Capitol and, and some people were killed. All those people are going to, whoever, whenever they get prosecuted, those people get prosecuted, they're going to get to stay here in the United States of America. They're going to get in trouble, they're going to go to jail, and they get to stay here. But what we have done as a nation is that we have deported people who took an oath to protect this country, and many of them actually went to war. Whether or not they protected the country, you know, in some ways, we as Veterans for Peace, that's, that's a different question. But they were sent there to do that by this government, and yet they're deported. And if a person can't see, if you can't see the injustice in this. And the last thing I want to say is, but they can come back after they die. After a deported veteran dies, they can come back to the United States and be buried. And I believe some, you could be buried in Arlington because you're a veteran. That I'm not totally sure about. But I know you can come back here. So if that doesn't illustrate the absurdity of the policy, I just, I just don't know what does. But I, I wanna give um, Kim a chance to, if he has a question or something to ask, we have about 16 minutes left.
4: Yes, uh, I'd like to key off what uh, you said, Robert, and also you, Michael. The importance of that oath cannot be understated. Uh, they took the same oath that I did and that Michael did uh, and Mike did, uh, to defend this, uh, the constitution against all foreign enemies, foreign and domestic, which means they were willing to go anywhere and risk their lives and necessarily sacrifice their lives in defense of our country. Uh, and many of them did some of those, uh, uh, non-citizen veterans, uh, died in foreign wars. Others came back disabled and, um, uh, with uh, a, a number of problems. And, uh, for their willingness to sacrifice for the US, um, what they get in some cases, uh, just if they come back and have get into a little bit of trouble is like we say, like triple jeopardy. Um, they pay for the crime several times over and there's no chance for redemption. Uh, this flies in the face of a couple of things. What, what I find really ironic here is that the oath, specific oath is to support and dispend the Constitution. And the Constitution itself gives all uh, everybody, citizens and non-citizens, uh, uh, under its umbrella, uh, certain rights of due process, certain rights against cruel and unusual punishment. And I find it really ironic that these rights are the ones that, uh, in my opinion, are, are really being fractured, uh, in the way these, uh, um, non-citizen veterans are being treated. Uh, so, you know, and we, we have this custom in this country of thanking veterans for their service. And, uh, here are veterans that after they have served, after they have sacrificed, in many cases have come back with uh, injuries that uh, some and, and also often mental issues that uh, contributed to them getting into trouble. What is our thanks? We, we kick them out. Um, that, that is just wrong. It's just absolutely wrong. And uh, it has to be changed. And I'm glad that there's an organized effort now that I can be a part of to try to make that change.
1: Thanks, Kim. Um, um, Elizabeth, do you have a, a comment that you want to make after all of us just finished talking?
3: <laughs> no, yeah, I think this is, you know, wonderful because as part of the Humanizing Deportation Project, we've worked with a lot of the veterans, you know, not myself closely, but my mm-hmm. colleagues. you know, they worked with, I know my professor, Robert McKee Irwin, which is the director of the project. Um, he worked with Jason Madrid and, you know, listening to his story and, You start questioning, like, why is it called permanent residence when it's not permanent?
2: Mm. Like,
3: why can you know, you know, even like a regular person who's not a veteran can still lose that status, right? Like, what are the laws that were implemented to make such a status that has that name um, something that could be taken away? And then also, like you all mentioned, you know, there's a lot of things that happen to a person when they return back to civilian life that are tied to you know learning how to live back with family or finding a job or like the services that they need Um, but unfortunately you know when there's no resources you have to cope in a way right and a lot of the um, i'm gonna say quote unquote crimes that are committed or you know the use of substances is because you want to take care of yourself as best as possible and and again, you know, like our government is not taking care of the veterans. Right. And if you at the element of being um, an immigrant, then that's just, you know, like you all said, you pay your, your crime three times, you're disposed. And then, you know, we have all of these politicians saying, well, yes, we're going to support you. We're going to support mm-hmm. you, but give us time. But they don't have time anymore. You know, we hear all these stories and... Just listening to the archive um, that we work on, you hear all these stories of veterans, you know, trying to like find some way to get the health services that they need um, from across the border, which is maybe like 10 miles away, like the nearest hospital from Tijuana. And then they can't have access to this. And then the only way they could return back is if they pass away or they die waiting to be, you know, returned to the country. So that's just, you know, it just shows you that our laws are very discriminatory in regards to to people Um, so i'll just you know end with that and i think that's why we need to find ways that we could really bring awareness to this and again with the mural project and the policies that we're supporting like the new way forward act and you know keeping joe biden and and kamala harris accountable for their promises you know don't just tap us and tell us it's going to be okay and you know then do something else
0: right right go ahead mike Uh, What I wanted to say is that, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. Uh, We're all, we all of us came from someplace else. You know, you could even say that about Native Americans. They came here 30,000 years ago, but we're all immigrants. And it's astonishing the amount of anti immigration hostility there is uh, among a lot of people in this country. But a lot of it is also, it seems like it it, it is based in racism. Most of the people that are talking about immigrants are are not uh, they're not white. A lot of them are Hispanic. Uh, some of them are Muslim, you know, but it's, it's that's, that's that seems to be an important part of it. And uh, maybe you guys could comment on that.
3: Yeah, definitely. That's true. And, you know, it goes back again to our, you know, I don't want to say racist system, but it is, you know, it's based on race, on color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's really important that's why with the mural where, Trying to represent different nationalities because it's not just like a U.S.-Mexico issue. But um, you know, different nationalities are affected by this. But they w- have one thing in common: they're people of color, communities of color. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the U.S. you know continues to show us that you know we favor a certain type of immigrant. You know, regardless if you serve the military or not, um, the fact that you're of a you know country of color. Um, that just you know gives you um, that you know possibility that you might not be fully accepted in the country that you might consider your home and that you want to make your home. So definitely, Mike, I think you're you're right. It, it's based on race and and as we saw with the last administration, it also has to do with with class and you That's have right. social status to even be here.
1: That's right. But
3: even then, you're not safe if you're an immigrant.
1: Right. Right. That's right, race and class, always playing a role, um, uh, negative impact on people. Yes, Kim.
4: Yeah, one thing that uh, I'd like to really, uh emphasize also is that um, uh, bringing them home is just one part of it. Uh, making it easier for them to become citizens if they want to is another part. Uh, um, I assume that uh, most of our non-citizen veterans uh, would like to be on the track to become citizens citizens. And uh, it used to be something, as I understand it, it was almost automatic as they went through training. Uh, In 2017, under the former presidential administration, uh, the U.S. Citizenship uh, and Immigration Service offices on the training centers and at the overseas commands were were shut down. They were closed Mm -hmm. down. Uh, And uh, these offices were there to help the non-citizen veterans with the Byzantine uh, rules and regulations and procedures for becoming citizens. And uh, uh, it was obviously uh, an effort to hinder them in the process of trying to attempt to become citizens. Um, That's definitely wrong right there. I mean, we should absolutely streamline the procedure for um, the non-citizen veterans to become American citizens if they want to. They have paid their dues. And... um, Like uh, Robert said, it should be uh, almost automatic. If uh, that's what they wanna do, that's what they should be given. That is the best way you can thank them for their service.
1: Right, that's right. So we have about seven minutes left. Um, So we wanna start wrapping up. I just wanna emphasize the um, leave no one, leave no one behind mural project and campaign. Um, There's a few components to it. One of them is this executive order that we want to get um, Biden, the Biden administration to sign an executive order that would bring home all the deported veterans now so it can happen quickly. Um, We are also supporting the New Way Forward Act, uh, as Robert said, which was introduced by uh, Illinois representative um, Churi Garcia, um, which is pretty broad immigration reform and will help a lot of uh, deported veterans Um, But deported veterans are not talked about specifically in the legislation. And he is open to adding um, language that will bring deported veterans home. And of course, we're pushing the Biden administration just in general and Congress on whatever legislation, because there's a lot of legislation that's that's going to be introduced, I think. At least right now, there's the, the new way forward. There's the legislation that was introduced today and there's some other legislation I heard about. So there's at least three different legislates. So we'll have to see how how that plays itself out. Then we have the mural project, which is what we're trying to get veterans for peace chapters and others around the country to get involved in, to um, raise the visibility of of deported veterans. So that's very important. Um, So those are the three, those are the things that we're trying to do. Um, I was, I'm wondering if Robert and and, um, Lisbeth can give us some information about how to get in contact with you if you want to bring the mural to to your community
2: Liz
3: <laughs> yeah I think the easiest way you know without you know butchering like the the spelling of the project um you know you could find us on instagram on facebook and on twitter as leave no one behind mural project we have a facebook like page and we also have an archive where we have the stories and we're updating it very frequently because the project is growing and um, we wanna make sure that people have access to the stories to hear them, um, hear the voice of the participant who is, you know, telling us what their experience is like and, you know, suggestions of how to fix this. So, you know, just to clarify, um, this issue has been happening for so many years um, decades now, and I think it's really important that we listen instead of silencing the stories of, you know, people who have been displaced. And you know, the current administration is—I feel like they're just trying to put like a bandaid over, um, you know, a certain population that has been affected. But we need to recognize that there's systemic oppression. Uh, we've criminalized immigrants of color, and uh, you know changing things like this through the new way forward would be like the best solution, right, to introduce. And um, so definitely if you want to, you know, consider sponsoring the mural or if you need support to get it on the ground to you, um, contact us on Facebook um, through the Leave No One Behind Mural Project. And it's a Facebook like page and you can just message us there. And it also has our emails. So, you know, I think that's the best way for people to contact us. It's super easy to do. Um, We have a field guide on how to, Actually, get a wall. Um, how to go about that, and also, you know, how to get the mural, you know, to you. And if you want to print it on your own, that's perfectly fine. And we also provide suggestions on how to do that and ways to organize on the ground. Because, as Robert said, the actions in your city are the ones that are going to uplift, like things like the New Way Forward Act and things that we are supporting to make sure that we provide some relief for the community that we're working with. Um, so I would say just Facebook or Instagram.
1: And the mural is seventy by ninety, right? Yeah,
3: ninety by seventy. 70. By 90.
1: Okay, and and is and is vinyl?
3: It's vinyl, yes. yes. And the reason is because you could put it in poster paper, but we want the material to last uh, as long as possible, and specifically like with weather conditions. And the glue that we're using is super long lasting. It's the one that we use for the Plaza Tijuana mural project.
1: And once you put it on the wall, it's pretty much permanent, correct?
3: Yeah, it's pretty much permanent.
1: Okay. Robert, Yes, you wanted to say something?
2: If if I may make something here before we we go, because I know we're coming up. Uh, What we wanna do with this uh, mural project is send a very clear, loud message to President Biden, not to forget his campaign promise. On that campaign trail, he promised to bring deported veterans home. He promised family reunification And we wanna make sure that that message is brought back to his attention very loud and clear Uh, for a real simple reason. Like Michael said, there's a lot of immigration bills that are coming up. There's a lot of immigration rhetoric and in everything that we are hearing, there is nothing that we are hearing uh, regarding bringing our deported veterans home or reuniting our US citizen children with their deported parents who they have been separated from. Just recently, we heard about uh, Biden's uh, immigration plan for deported veterans to review those cases of deported veterans and family members uh, during the Trump administration. That is not enough. Uh, That is a slap in the face because we had many more veterans deported on Obama and his watch, on the two Bushes and on Clinton. So for him to say that they're gonna review the uh, cases of uh, deported veterans and military families from the Trump era, uh, that is uh, in my point of view, very insulting because of the amount of deportations under his and Obama's watch. And that is something we gotta make sure that is brought to his attention loud and clear that that's not acceptable. We need to amend 8 U.S.C. Code 1101 Alpha 22, bring all our deported veterans home and make sure that our U.S. citizens and children that have been uh, torn away from their parents have an opportunity to grow up with their parents.
1: Okay, well, thank you. Uh, Mike, yeah, we're gonna close, yeah. go ahead.
0: Just a quick thing, uh, the... Um... In addition to Facebook uh, or Facebook and, uh, uh, other, other platform you mentioned, uh, you can look at, uh, two videos, uh, which Mike MC, uh, Michael MC, uh, I just looked at those just before with you, Elizabeth and, and, uh, Mike or Robert, which are very informative too. So, um, there's a lot of good information on those, uh, for those, for that old school platform.
1: All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Kim, do you want to say anything before we close?
4: No, I'd, um, I just want to say I'm uh, really excited about this. I'm looking forward. Uh, our local chapter uh, really wants to find uh, an immigrants' uh, rights organization to partner with so we can work together to find a suitable location for uh, this mural and uh, work together to promote it and uh, let more folks in the Seattle community know that um, not only about the deported veterans, but uh, about the uh, child arrivals, uh, the separated uh, families, and uh, all the other uh, folks who have been unfairly treated by uh, our past immigration policies. And uh, we certainly hope we can make something happen soon.
1: All right, thank okay. you very much. And, and I'll just say, um, before we close, that from our perspective, as Robert has said, I just want to reiterate it, and, and Elizabeth, once you take that um, oath, um, and, and I guess you, if you want to put something else on it, maybe go through basic training so that you've, you know, finished your training, then you should have been afforded the ability to become a citizen. So as far as we're concerned, anything that those uh, veterans did, any crime, they should have already been citizens, uh, and they should not have ever been deported. So when I've had, I've had some pushback from people because they talk about felonies and bad people and all that, you know what, I don't want to hear that because they shouldn't have been deported in the first place and they all paid the price for whatever their crime was. And I've met a lot of these uh, deported veterans and they're some of the most awesome people I've ever met. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So as far as I'm concerned, they're a citizen just like me. They're deported citizens is what they are, and they need to come home. Alright, y'all. Thank you very much. We'll talk to y'all soon.
2: Thank you, thank you Michael Pat
1: Well, that's it for this month. Before we go, let me give credit where credit is due. The theme music is untouchable by the Passion Hi-Fi. You can find his music at thepassionhifi.com. Thanks again to our guests, Robert Navar, Lisbeth De La Cruz-Santana, and Kim Hunter for participating in the show. Now, the issue of deported vets is really important to me, and so I ask each and every one of you that's listening today, tonight, call your rep, your congressional rep, call your senators, write them, um, you know, tweet them, whatever, asking them, telling them that you want to make sure all deported veterans are brought back home and to be stopped as a nation deported veteran. As we said in the show, from our perspective, once you take that oath to defend this country, you should be on your way to becoming a citizen. None of those veterans should have been deported. Whatever crime they committed, they went to jail, they paid the price for that crime. That's what should be done just like if I committed. But I don't get deported they should not be deported. I mean, it's just that simple. So I really wish you, wish you if you can, uh, take some action. So I appreciate you listening. I want to thank my co-host, Mike Dietrich. Uh, thank you all once again for listening and tune in next month. And until next time, power to the people, power to the peaceful.